section three of the daredevil of the army experiences as a buzzer and dispatch rider by austin patrick kerkorin this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two the author assists at a victory and abandons his bike for better things part one we have beaten them on the marne we have beaten them on the Aisne. we have fraternized with them at christmas during a twenty-four hour truce and found them human in the matter of souvenirs their officers have assured us that we have not a chance in a thousand quite politely of course but with absolute conviction by march we're to be flying with the first eastern winds well we've kept them sitting all winter in their trenches waist-deep in french and flanders mud meantime of course we've been sitting in it ourselves with occasional relief in the shape of a run to london the motorcycle dispatch corps having earned the particular praise of field marshal sir john french is unusually lucky in the matter of these reliefs besides fresh men have been coming out in droves a fact which combined with the general quiet along the line makes it comparatively easy for the old men to get leave of absence i get seven days home lord how they loved us in those days in london private cars meet us at the charing cross station pretty girls hurl flowers at our heads crowds of cheering excited men and women block our autos and impede our egress from the station but we don't mind we sit in the tonneaus grinning amiably a little embarrassed if the truth must be told by this somewhat novel role of returned hero not that we dislike it you know far from that but we don't feel ourselves big enough for the shoes at the end of the seven days so crowded that they fly by on wings i go back and find strange changes on the line it is now shortly after christmas the cavalry of no use in this stationary warfare has been dismounted much to its chagrin now its members are squatting in the mud along with the hitherto despised infantry lord what a fall was there our section which you remember had been attached to the second cavalry corps has been split up and scattered along the line i lose my friend grant we were assigned to different units but at least he is within calling distance whenever there is time to call i am with a brigade attached to the fourth corps and grant an adjoining one two miles away but things are not what they were excitement has given place to ennui each day is like another endlessly boring with its uneventful routine war has degenerated into a dull drab affair an unromantic contest 
mainly with the elements the element of mud putting up the best fight and so we come through the winter a disgruntled disagreeable crowd lazy too and inclined to cavil at all orders if they won't let us fight then why the devil can't we go home that is in general our attitude of mind comes a rumour shortly at which we all sit up the russians are doing great things these days it is now well into the spring one of our trench oracles opines that we are going to help them there is vague talk of a push a poke in the ribs so to speak which will remind old fritz that we are still alive and keep his attention from wandering too exclusively to the east the blighter must not get the habit of feeling at home in france or flanders immediately such a change is noticeable along the line as must have gladdened the heart of the high command our step is surer our heads a little higher and we work with a new and eager will after all sitting in mud is no incitement to deeds of daring the mere thought of a move bucks us up for three days now we have been preparing for the event not that the powers that be have deigned to take us into their confidence they are far too aloof for that but they can't hide the evidences all round morning noon and night we are riding with our messages all of them marked priority which means that they admit of no delay and all along the roads leading to and from neuve chapelle there is unceasing motion endless processions that block our paths and impede our progress ammunition trains convoys army service corps wagons they are all moving up carrying supplies for men and guns in our efforts to pass them we occasionally find ourselves lying in the ditch as a result of overestimating the width of the french roads and lord what weather we are having the heavens disapproving of our preparations do their best to hinder them and harm us they simply open and let the water pour down on our heads we slip and slither all over the roads and our wrists ache with the effort of keeping our machines erect but somehow we manage in spite of it all never in the early dark days before the marne have we been as busy as we are now all through the night of march the ninth and the following morning i carry dispatch after dispatch to an artillery commander an army service corps officer a battalion commander over and over again when finally day dawns and hell breaks loose it is to find me with twenty hours sleep in arrears about seven o'clock or a little earlier the thunder is loosed the guns which for days have kept up a constant crackle 
now burst into a deafening roar as i scurry along the roads shells whirr over my head thank heaven i am not at the busy end of their range seven thirty the curtain lifts then is lowered farther back a signal that the infantry has gone over i am detailed to take a message to the twenty first brigade one of the first to advance in the fight there is electricity in the air to-day the electricity of excitement it quivers along my spine it stings my fagged brain my mind is clear with the horrible clarity that is often the result of lack of sleep i spin along and am suddenly made aware of the fact that not all the shells are coming from our side not twenty yards in front of me i see a great bertha burst clop it goes square in the middle of the road i have plenty of time to stop and plenty of room to swerve my hands make a motion as if to turn the handlebars but my eyes are riveted to that hole in the road a grim fountain is playing there spewing up sprays of mud clay smoke stones and pieces of shell they fascinate me turn your bike says my brain but my eyes are glued to the spot like the lady driver who is so anxious for the safety of a lamp-post i can't leave that crater out of my sight presently i am conscious that we are meeting head first i go into it but i land on top of my bike of all the blamed fools i say angrily to myself one would think you never saw a shell burst before i pick up my machine it is unhurt i climb out furious with myself and quite unable to explain the phenomenon why should any sensible man ride straight into a hole i mount again it must have been half an hour later that i noticed a certain awkwardness in one of the fingers of my left hand i had broken or sprained it in the crash i get back to my section and hear the glad news we're advancing the reinforcements are going up everything is working like a clock but the boches are by no means beaten off again on a message the berthas are still busy one falls in a field adjoining the road on which i ride another whirs over my head with a scream like an eagle's along the way i come on evidences of their work here is a horse's trunk from which the head and legs have been severed there a man's corpse almost cut in two but i am not at all shaken by such sights what's the matter with me i should be terrified by all the rules of this game i remember legends of brave men who not only felt but confessed their fears where is the panic that the novelists promise me 
why should i be losing all the thrills here am i skimming swiftly over a shell-ridden road cheeks ruddy that should be ashen hand steady that should be shaking vision clear that should be clouded brain functioning that should be fuddled is my calm an abnormal calm a calm keyed to a higher pitch perhaps than that with which we conduct our daily affairs or is it a callous calm bred of familiarity with horrors too often seen is nature so adjustable that she can become contemptuous even of death itself you may be killed by the next corner i tell myself earnestly but my knees refuse to quake and then i come to the next corner and suddenly my equanimity is lost for there by the roadside i see a rider lying on his face a broken bike by his side there is something familiar about that recumbent form i dismount turn it over and recognize my friend grant so the rotters have got him grant of the grey scotch eyes the best chum man ever had got him and disfigured him half his face is bashed in my calm deserts me on the spot now i know why a brother joins to avenge a brother and a father to take toll for a son why am i not in the trenches with a bayonet in my hand i despise myself now for a mere messenger good old grant and i must leave him who would never leave me lying dead by the roadside to be picked up another casualty like the thousand others whom i myself have passed so callously at times the chances of war how many times i have said the words offered them with a shrug of the shoulder as consolation on the death of a friend a new pity a deeper sympathy sweeps over me as i mount reluctantly they had never taken a friend of mine before oddly enough it's never occurred to me that they might soon take me it is afternoon now the dim sun is going down i am sent on a double message that takes me through the town first i am to report to the lahore division whose signal office i am told is in a cellar next to the twenty fifth brigade poor nerve chapelle already its homes are in ruins hardly a stone is standing on a stone instead they are lying all over the streets i have to zigzag to get through after much meandering and many inquiries i meet only indians on my way and their english is as fluent as my hindustani i spot the blue and white flag that marks the signal service i deliver my dispatch and start off again i have been told that the brigade is trying to force the passage of a bridge somewhere to the northwest of the bois de Bies. 
they find them facing a fury of machine-gun fire and depart glad to be alive but my mind is still busy with its memories of grant i forget myself my machine my surroundings i ride along mechanically i must unconsciously have been riding slowly when i am suddenly hailed by a shout i look round and see the grizzled head of an old soldier stuck out of a half-ruined house move a bit faster he cries faster mate unless you want to click hardly are the words out of his mouth when he drops with a moan i turn my head almost involuntarily to see whence the shot came ping a few sparks fly out of my handlebars on the spot my investigation ceases and my chance friend is forgotten in concern of myself jamming my throttle wide open i sprint for home sending my speed up to some sixty miles an hour but i'm not quick enough with a jerk my foot is lifted from the footrest as if by an invisible hand my map case which had been lying flat on my back switches round and strikes me in the face next there comes a sharp rap on my knee as if someone had hit me with a stick i wobble frightfully but don't lose my equilibrium neither do i relax my speed at a record rate i regain the signal office dismount and flop on the ground my leg seems as if suddenly paralysed and i notice a patch of blood adorning my pants so a sniper has got me at last there is no pain strangely enough only a burning sensation again my natural curiosity asserts itself i look at my foot and find that my boot is minus its heel so that accounts for the sudden jerk off the footrest but why should they have caught me on the left side when the shot came from the right this puzzles me extremely but there is only one explanation the bullet could not possibly have passed through the little space that the make of my machine leaves round the engine consequently it must have hit the ground underneath and ricocheted up to my foot but even at that it must have made some extraordinary curves another aimed at my back must have hit my map case and flipped it round in my face but what about my knee were they then firing from both sides impossible i would have noticed that but there is no one with whom to discuss the phenomena someone is already busily bundling me into an ambulance which takes me to the casualty clearing station being a light case i am sent next day to a base hospital the casualty clearing station for all the horrible suggestion of its name proved to be a place of exceeding beauty a french chateau evidently belonging to people of wealth as they lifted me out of the ambulance i had a glimpse of smooth lawns 
and trees of magnificent stateliness it took but a few minutes to get me on an operating table only war could have brought it to such uses in times of peace clicking balls would have had my place i could see the billiard cues still standing along the wall then as they ripped off my trousers and loosed the bandages i had my first sensation of pain began a search then for an elusive bullet which proved to be conspicuous by its absence to help me through the ordeal i was given a glass of milk and soda only its colour told me its identity i seemed to have lost my sense of taste oh you'll be all right in a few days sonny the surgeon assured me he was a splendid-looking man with a mane of white hair just a flesh wound they missed your kneecap by about two millimetres he thought he was consoling me but alas poor man he was sounding the knell of my hopes my eyes had been turned towards home so they took me to bed a saddened patient who had seen heaven and tasted its joys in anticipation only to have the cup dashed from his lips instead i got a meal consisting of broth toast and an orange that failed to interest me for i had suddenly realized that for thirty-six hours i had had no sleep i needed no rocking that night next morning i was awakened all too soon the hour was barely six-thirty i opened my eyes to behold an orderly standing amiably near my bed bearing a basin of water how that good-natured fellow irritated me with his officiousness he would insist on washing me and i would wash myself i won out and immediately justified his zeal by upsetting the water all over the bed but at any rate i had not been treated like a baby while waiting for the ambulance train to take me back of the line i had my first good look at my fellow sufferers including myself there were eight slight cases but the others god that any man should look like them disfigured is scarcely the word to apply to them grotesque gargoyles that was how they seemed to me on the train i was placed in a compartment with a man who had been a member of the black watch one of his legs had been shot off his face had been skinned lord knows how and he had lost his right cheek and he suffered oh how he suffered the train bumped and rattled the whole of the way as only french trains can it bothered me who was scarcely hurt at all now it would wring a groan from that poor remnant of a man now a curse now a cry at three that afternoon he died en route we stopped while they took away his corpse his going left me sick and nauseated and lonely oh 
so lonely i think i would have cried with homesickness if a trained nurse had not chanced to come by she stayed with me for the greater part of the journey what would soldiers do without these women but how did they stand the sights that i had seen to-day stand them night noon and morning as a war nurse must i'm afraid my courage would fail me as such a test of human endurance toward evening we reached Le Trapore, a beautiful hospital situated on the french coast its base is a cliff some two thousand feet over the sea they told me it had been a summer hotel and a german still owned it now resident in switzerland he was getting four hundred francs a day for its use by the british government a perfect army of nurses doctors and orderlies met us they were ranged in the big broad hall then with a neatness and efficiency nothing short of miraculous they dispatched us to our different sections surgical cases here medical cases there how could they distinguish us so quickly by ten o'clock we were in our wards small rooms of four beds each we were put to bed given hot milk and soothed to sleep could it be only yesterday that i was listening to the roar of guns was it possible that france still held such retreats as this yet i suppose we were not more than sixty miles from the actual firing line more comfortable than i had ever hoped to be outside of my home i fall asleep too lazy even to look around i wake up again to be confronted by a smiling familiar face i rub my eyes blink provoke a boyish laugh who is it none other than young harrison there is a bandage round his head concealing a scalp wound received a few days since in the fighting round la Bassee. but how had he got to la Bassee? we had given him up for dead or captive on the night when he failed to return to our farm signal office from his mission to landrasses oh yes he has a story to tell here it is as he told it to me as you remember he and hudson had separated at a crossroads as you remember too there were ullens about not for him the luck of poole who had shot his way through a bullet in his back tire decided that the first i knew of it he says was a skid of my rear wheel the ground seemed to rise up and hit me in the face and then glide away again from under me when i recovered my senses i saw two boches standing over me thank the lord i had the wit to stick my finger in my mouth and swallow the dispatch whole then ensued a colloquy between the two not a word of which harrison could understand we really ought to know their beastly language he declares 
finally one turned to him went systematically through his pockets and then motioned him to walk on ahead for almost an hour he trudged along the dusty highway the ullens on their horses bringing up the rear he was hot heartsick and aching from his fall but what bothered him was the question of where these fellows were taking him he scanned the road for landmarks that might indicate his position but none met his eye they seemed to be cutting across country skirting villages but still within easy distance of the fighting for the boom of the big guns seemed to be growing louder instead of less and he could hear the rattle of exploding shrapnel it must have been midnight he says when we came up in the rear of an infantry battalion which from the look of things was setting out on the march as they approached one of the escorts threw himself off his saddle and walked towards the officer in charge there ensued another colloquy equally indistinguishable to harrison then end of section 3